If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope that you do, please turn to the book of Genesis, and we will look together really at one verse, and that is Genesis 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 26. With the idea, the biblical idea that we are created in his image. And we're going to ask the question, Lord, what does that mean? Father, how do we apply that? How do we live that out? Have you ever wondered who you are? Or ask the question, who am I? Rene Descartes, the French philosopher, asked a similar question and he said this. You might have heard this famous phrase, I think, therefore, I am. He actually said this, I doubt, therefore I think, therefore I am. He was asking the question, do I even exist? Okay, so if I can doubt that I exist, then I think, and if I think, then I do exist. But even that doesn't answer the question for us. Who are we? And Lord, if I even figure out who I am, then how do I live with this idea that I am created in the image of the creator? So to help you out this morning, I have put some images for you on the board. You might recognize this young, handsome, strapping fellow. These are the early days of his uh, GQ modeling. That's after a t-ball game. Again, styling. And there is a proud fifth grader in the Lafayette County marching band as a drummer, right? We, we were the cool section of the band. Uh, Keith would amen that. But these are images of me, but those are not me. Are you tracking there? So if you found that picture, you could not have a conversation with that picture. It's an image, it's a likeness, but it's not the real thing. And I think what we need to struggle with is we look at the Bible's um, overwhelming idea that we are created in the image of God. What does that mean? Does that mean that we look like God? Does that mean that we are a photograph of God? And how do we live that out in our lives? So those are my early images. But that is a small glimpse of who I am and my nature and my character. So with those images in your mind, let's read verse 26 of chapter one. God's word says this, then God said, and by the way, let me just pause there. I know I'm backing up, but I wasn't able to preach Sunday and I'm just so full of Genesis, I wanna get this out. When God created, he didn't do much of anything, he just spoke. So if you wanna ever question the authority or get a glimpse of the authority of our heavenly father, he creates by speaking. Then he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So I am not going to try to answer for you this morning everything the image of God means for you. But we are going to look at exactly what Genesis tells us about the image of God. Three things, that you and I rule in the image of God, that you and I relate to others in the image of God, and lastly, that we enjoy sonship in the image of God. And we'll, we'll look at that and you say, well, how did you get the sonship? We'll see as we look at Genesis. Let's pray together. Father, truly you made us in your image. What a special stamp you have put on our lives. So Father, may we be faithful to the image that you have put within us. We know that everything that is happening in our life to this point has happened because you are building within us an eternal weight of glory. Lord, we know that our sufferings, our struggles do not even compare to what you will be revealing in us when the Lord Jesus comes again. Father, we desire deeply that we carry the image of our creator well, that we rule because you are our king, that we relate to others because we have a relationship with you. And Lord, that we enjoy sonship because in Jesus Christ, you have adopted us into a new family that we can be called sons and daughters of the most high. Father, stir our hearts for you that we may live a life consumed with your spirit and with your grace. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, why does this even matter? Why does this matter? And then we're gonna look at rulership, we're gonna look at relationships, and we're gonna look at sonship. The words here in verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image. The Hebrew is selam. So let us, make God, let us make man in our Salem image according to our demut, which is likeness. And these words are really interchangeable. So for those of you who know Brad, our associate pastor, and myself, here's an easy way for me to just describe likeness. If you see us after the service, Brad has an oldest son, and I have an oldest son. There, there are no way on this side of eternity or on that side of eternity that Brad can deny his oldest son. It's just not, I mean, the way he looks, the way he speaks, his character, his nature, that is many Brad. It is in his likeness. And the same thing with mine. You saw my baby pictures. My oldest Eli is in my image. Sadly for him, he even gets his hard-headedness after me. The way he speaks, the things that he does, I'm thinking, Lord, why did, you, why did you have to remake me? But he is in, he is in my image. He is in my likeness. There is no denying that likeness. For those of you who know our kids, am I right? I mean, there is no, there's no denying those boys. And we would never want to deny them. But even if we did, the days where they're throwing fits, they're just, there's, there's no way of doing that. I think there's something there when God makes us in his image and in his likeness. 
There is something within us physically, emotionally, morally that we are made in the image of God. He has stamped you for eternity. Selem de mut. So what does this image include? Two things, I think, specifically. Special relationship and infinite worth. God created us differently than anything else. God did not say to the alpaca and the llama, the bulldog, the pachyderms, the tigers. He did not say to those animals, let us create those things in our likeness. He looked at Adam, the word Hebrew, Adam, man, humanity, and looked at Adam and said, let us create man in his image. That's us. So there's something within us that we have a special, unique relationship with their creator because we're different than everything else. Secondly is this, because you and I are stamped with his image and likeness, we have infinite worth. You are, you are worth something because you are created in his image. And for those on days that you don't feel like you're really worth much, just remind yourself, open Genesis up and say, I am created in the image of God. And that in itself gives us worth. That in itself answers the question, why do I matter? Why does it matter? Because you and I are created in his image. So let me apply this and then we're gonna look at the three things in Genesis. So why does that matter in our lives today? One, because your self-image your self-image, my self-image depends on God's stamp. Let me just kind of talk to the youth really quick because they're here, they're, they're close. You are going through a period of your time, whether you know it or not, where self-image changes daily. It, it does. And it's, our adults are in the same boat, so don't let them fool you. I want you to know that you get your self-worth not by what social circle you run into, not by your grades, not by who you're dating, and not by who likes your Instagram post. You get your self-worth because God created you in his image. So for our ladies, the day some boy comes up to you and says, hey, baby, I love you, you can just stop them and say this. One, dude, that's awesome. Thumbs up. But I want you to know I'm created in the image of my heavenly father. So before you tell me that you love me and move that needle at all, I want you to know that you will never love me anything like my heavenly father. And if you want a relationship with me, you need to love my heavenly father. That's self-worth. And for our singles, the same thing. Because we don't get our self-worth by our relationships. Because our relationships change daily. I have people unlike me on Facebook every day, I'm sure. And if our self-worth is defined by our friendships, by our social status, men, we don't struggle with that as much, but how much money we make, what cars we drive, what influence we have. If your self-worth is anything other than the image that God has put in your life, it is on shaky ground at best. Our self-worth depends upon the image of God in our life because there will be a day where your job ends. There will be a day where that paycheck ends. There might be a day where that social security check ends. And it's going to end eventually. Everything in our life, I don't wanna sound like an alarmist, but everything that I own in my life is headed to the, 
the dump, the landfill, or the flea mall. It, it is. And so why do we put so much treasure in the things that we own? Because none of that gives us worth. What does give us worth? Verse 26, God said, let us make Josh, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Not only does your self-worth depend on God's image, Secondly, your relationship with the Lord depends on your God-given image. Now this is, we'll see next week, we're gonna look at Genesis 3, the sin, fall of man. This is pre-sin. But our relationship, Adam and Eve's relationship depended on the image of God. You and I enjoy a special relationship with the creator that animals do not, that mountains do not, that angels do not because we have the image of God within us. Our relationship with the Lord depends upon the image of God in our life. Now we're gonna look at that relationship because even after sin, the image remains, the relationship can be broken. We'll see that. Thirdly, every relationship you have in your life is affected by the image of God. Every relationship you have in your life is affected by the the Latin imago Dei. So we have no right, listen to this, you have no right to treat other people as objects because they are not objects for your abuse. They are created in the image of God. Every person. Why in Genesis 9, verse six and seven, does God look at at Noah and say that you will not shed innocent blood? If you do, your blood will be taken from you because people are created in the image of God. That is after the fall. That is after sin. So why do we feel so strongly at this church that we champion the right to life in the womb because those lives are created in the image of God? Every relationship you and I have is affected by that image. Men, you have no right to abuse a woman or treat a woman as an object for your benefit because they are created in God's image. What is the danger of sexuality and pornography is that it turns God-given images and people into objects. And that is an affront to the holy God. You say, well, it's just a picture no one knows. Yes, it, it's, it perverts your mind in a way that you look at images, God's vessels and say, that's just something to give me satisfaction. That is not godly. Your business relationships. We have no right to abuse people for our gain because they are created in the image of God. Every relationship you have Why is sexuality so important? And by the way, in the Bible, sexual sin is lumped into the holiness of God, the holiness code. Why? Because we are created to have purity in relationships. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. So why is sexuality such a big deal? And if you look at the world we live in right now, it's been bad for a long time, but there's an all out assault on biblical sexuality, on purity. And that's that's by Christians. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about churches. 
who have turned a blind eye to say, you know what, just do what you want to in your relationships, live with who you want to live with. We'll just deal with the consequences later. And we need to say we are created in the image of God. We should stay pure because he has created us in his image. Our relationships are defined and shaped by that image. So youth, before you turn your parents off, say, I don't want to hear that, turn to Genesis. Guys, if you're, if you're in relationships right now where you're, where you're putting your toe in that water and, and there are doors that you open and you just know you shouldn't be in, close those doors now because we do not want to desecrate the image of God of another person. Why else does the image of God matter? Fourth, you do not understand salvation, sin, and repentance without the image of God. We do not understand our sin. We do not understand holiness and our need for redemption without the image of God in our life. So it it matters within us. And with that foundation now, let's look specifically at what Genesis says. So how do we live out God's image? I'm glad you asked. Verse 26, then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. So in that very same verse, God's dominion and rulership, and it's not just there, verse 28, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish. So there's something intricately with God's image in our life and rulership. So God's created us to rule. Think about that. God's created you. These men are like, yeah, that's right. That's right, baby. I'm the king of my house. That's not what God is saying. Now, should you be the head of your house? Absolutely. Men, before you get all macho, should you lay down your life for your family as God sent his son to lay down his life for the church? Yes, But we all, everyone is created to rule. So why does that matter in our life? Because when God said in verse 26, let them have dominion, he also gave us a free moral act to choose right and wrong. With dominion, with rulership, God gives you the choice. Look, here's here's the way you rule, go do it. And how quickly do you and I run off the rails? when God gives us choice, right? God said, there's the road, there's rulership, there's dominion. And you know what we did? We immediately took a hard right turn into the ditch. But God gives us the choice to rule. He gives us with his grace. Why does God do that? Because with the choice to act freely, we also have the choice to worship him freely and to come back to Christ. Because if God wanted to, he could look at everyone here and say, you will bow your knee today to the King of Kings. And if God said that, you know what you would do? You would bow your knee. But what love would it be? What worship would it be if you were forced? God gives us in our rulership the desire and the ability to choose otherwise. And everyone in here has chosen wrong. Turn to Romans 3 if you want. You can look at what this devastating effects of sin. All have sin. Raise your hand if you're not in the all category. 
All of us have sin. God has given us the ability to rule, but with that, we have the freedom to act. But what does rulership mean? It means for us that we now represent the king. Because God has given you the ability to rule, you represent the king. Verse 26, our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion. This is regal, what we call regal vocabulary. This is kingship language. This is royal court language. This is the king saying, look, I'm going to let you rule for a little bit. And you and I, the way we live our lives represents the king. Why? Because you have the image of the king upon your life. So why is it so important that we strive for holiness? Because you represent the king. That is the image of God upon your life. Your life bears the royal stamp. And because you and I rule now, if you give your life to Christ, you not only represent the king because he created you, you represent the king because you call him King Jesus. So the way you live your life matters because you have the image of God. So you have no right to say this. That's none of your business. Ever said that before? You have no right to tell me what to do because when I give my life to Jesus Christ and believe that he died for me, confess him as Lord, I am now entering into a new community where my life is an open book for you because we rule together, because we represent the king to a world that desperately needs to know who the true king is. So let me kind of get messy real quick. How well are you ruling your life today? When we leave here, we all go home. When you lock that door behind you, how does your home look behind closed doors? Are you ruling well? Would the world look at you and say, you know what? I see the king. I see the image of God. I see the imago Dei upon that house. I don't know why I can't, I, I can't verbalize it, but there's something different about the way they live. And it's not just because they pray before they eat because they don't wanna get indigestion. It's because when they've wronged someone, they seek forgiveness. It's because as, as 1 Timothy say, elders, overseers, rule your house well. How well is your house representing the king? How about your workplace? When you go to work, do you rule with an iron fist to make people fear you? Or do you rule in a way that represents the king well? Now, does that mean you have to be this meek and mild person and let people push you over like a little kitty cat? But you don't wanna hurt them? No. Think about our Lord and Savior. What did he do to the money changers in the temple? He whipped those guys. But yet he ruled in a way that people said, I respect him. He is, he has authority that is not of this world. How is your workplace honoring the king? How about your relationships? We've already seen that. How are your relationships? Are you ruling well? Men, are you the spiritual leader of your house or are you content just to fall in line? Biblically, you have no right to take a back seat and let your wife do it all. You have a responsibility as a man to say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to lead my, my house in worship as uncomfortable as that might be. And you know why it's uncomfortable? Because sin. 
are you ruling? Well, how about your finances? When you look at your finances, are you ruling your finances in a way that glorifies God? You say, well, here we go again. Here's a sermon on giving. Absolutely. If you're not giving to the king of kings, you are ruling poorly. As if, this is coming from a finance guy, a major in finance, I think in numbers, as if God needs our money and we need to patronize him. God's not up there crying and saying, I wish pastor would give me more of his money. But I believe it does grieve the spirit when God sees me spending my money in a way that's frivolous and not glorifying to him. When I look at my bank account and I say, God, look at my money. And God is saying, no, Josh, it's not yours. You are ruling because I am the king. But everything that you have, I have given you. Are we ruling our lives well? The image of God, he created you to rule. Are you ruling well? Secondly, he creates us to be in relationship. So let's look at our relationships here. Verse 26, God said, let God said, let us. How many people is us? At least, we don't, it could be infinite, but at least more than one. So right here, we already have relational language, don't we? We have relational language. Let us make man in our. English majors, how many people is our? At least more than one. According to our likeness, let us. Them, plural, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God has created us in his image to be relational people. To be relation, relational people. Now, where does that relationship start? Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. You are created for a relationship with the Lord. You're created with a relationship with the Lord. And if you are here today and you do not have that relationship, you are, you are missing out on your purpose. You're missing out on hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. You, you are missing out on the relationship you have been created for. And here's the sad part of that. You might not even realize you're missing out. You are created for relationships. And that relationship begins with the Lord. How sad is it when a lost person does not know they're lost? I was there. I did the church thing. I knew the Bible verses and I was as blind and lost as lost could be. And I'm thankful for the day God opened my life and said, Josh, you are created for relationship. I sent my son to restore the relationship you broke. What are you waiting for? Verse 26, let us make man in our image. That's relational language. We're also created for relationships with each other though. Now, some of you who are introverts are kind of squirming right now because you say, I don't really like people. I didn't ask if you like people. And God didn't ask that either. But we created four relationships with each other. Remember, God looked at Adam, who's by himself. He's doing the bachelor thing and said, what? It is not good for man to be alone. 
And for those of you who are single and, and think this is only talking about marriage relationship, this is in the context of that familial relationship. But we're also created to be together as the body of Christ. So we are not created to be orphan children of the Most High God. We're created to be connected in community. And the greatest community we have is the body of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul can say there is many parts, but there is only one body. You and I are created for relationship. Why then is this so important? And why is heaven so glorious? And why is hell so scary? And why is there such great damnation in hell? Think about this now. It's not that there are going to be streets of gold and gates of pearls. You're not going to care about that if you're in heaven. The great joy of heaven is that you will be in perfect relationship with God eternally. And how scary is hell? It's not the weeping and the gnashing of teeth and the darkness and the isolation and the torment. That's secondary. The darkness of hell is that you, if you walk down that path of destruction, will not be in a relationship with the Most High God eternally forevermore. And there is nothing darker than that in the world because we are created for relationships. God's image creates us to rule. His image creates us to be relational. Look at verse 18 of chapter 2. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called them, each living creature, so was his name. Verse 21, and God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man he made into woman. For he brought her out of the man and he said, Now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of me. We are created for relationship with the Lord. We are created for relationships with others. If you are married today, treasure that relationship. But I know we have singles here and, and maybe God has called you to a life of singleness. And that is something that is a blessing. I had a conversation this morning with someone that, that we were reminiscing about our mission days. And when I was 21 or so, I just, God just opened a door for me to go to Peru for four months. And I did some things there today that I would no longer do in my life. Why? Because I can't do that anymore. I'm not single. And I look back on those days as a blessing because I could just pick up, leave everything and go on the mission field and say, God, I don't really care what happens to me. I'm just going to live for you. I don't have kids to leave behind. I don't have a wife to leave behind. God, I'm just going to go. If God calls me to Peru today, whole different conversation. Right, dear? There is nothing wrong with singleness. It is a blessing from the Lord. And if God has called you to that in your life, he has called you to that because you now have chances to serve the Lord that others cannot use that for his glory. And I know the world puts pressure on singles and say, you need to get married. You need to have a kid. That's what it looks like to be in the image of God. Not necessarily. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was not married. 
Paul calls it a blessing that he may be a missionary for the sake of the gospel. Do not let people make you feel bad. Use your singleness for the glory of the Lord. He has created us for relationships. Men, women, we need accountability though. So why is it important that we find godly relationships? Men, find men in your life that will hold your feet to the fire. Women, find women in your life that will love on you, nurture you, and hold you to accountability in the Lord because we are created for relationships. And we see that in the Trinity. God is one and he is many and he has created us to be in relationships for us. The image of God, you rule. You relate, lastly, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Then God said this to Adam. So quickly, turn to chapter 5, verse 3. I want to read one verse. God tells Adam, fill the earth, be fruitful, and multiply. And over and over again, we see this formula in Genesis. Verse 3, Adam lived, catch this, right? Adam lived 130 years. Some of you are like, man, that's old. Now look what else it says. He lived 130 years and begot a son. So on his son's first birthday, Adam was 131. Imagine being grandpa going to that graduation, right? Who, who's the 140, who's the 150 year old man? Oh, that's dad. But the son was begot in his own likeness and in his image and he named him Seth. We are created to enjoy sonship in Jesus Christ. Men, if you are a father, we are created now with the task of passing the image and the fathership and the sonship of God on. I've already mentioned my son and, and Brad's son. It's not enough that our children look like us. We are created now to pass the torch to them to share what their heavenly father looks like, his character, his nature. And isn't this what Jesus Christ shares with us? Isn't this idea of sonship that God created us, male and female, in a unique relationship that we might be sons and daughters of him? Isn't that what God created us for? To enjoy not just a special relationship, but sonship. You are a son and daughter. This is why Jesus when his disciples ask him, teach us how to pray. He doesn't say, stand up there and say, oh, Lord God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How does Jesus teach his disciples how to pray? Think about this. This is intentional language. I don't believe Jesus did anything without thought. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father. Now, how can you call God Father unless you're a son? What a glorious thought that is. That there is nothing else in creation that can call God Father but you and I. Not the hundreds of galaxies, not the billions of stars, 
not the angels, not the cherub, not the seraphim. There is nothing, no mountain, no ocean. There is nothing that can call God Father. They call God Creator. And you and I are blessed with this wonderful thought that you can call God Father. We are created to enjoy sonship. The New Testament carries us further. It says this in Ephesians 1.5, that Jesus has adopted us through Jesus Christ himself according to his favor and will. 1 John 3, 1 says, Look how great a love the Father has given for us, that we should be called his children. And that is what we are. The reason that the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Are you ruling well this morning? You rule because you are created in his image. Are you relating well to others? Maybe you're looking back at your life and you just have some of your relationships are train wrecks. You have hurt people or people have been hurt, have hurt you. And your relationships are just horrific. Maybe you walked in here today and you're married and you just feel anything but married. Or you look at the person you're sitting beside and you're thinking, Lord, how did you even put us together? You are created to be in relationship. And I just want you to know this, that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, can heal every wound and every relationship that you might have. Maybe you're here and you look back on your life and you've abused people. You've abused them for your gain. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been abused by the church. You've had a pastor or you've had a Sunday school teacher or you had the church or religion in the name of God that has hurt you and you have scars on your life and you struggle with relationship in church, in the community of God because you have been hurt. I just wanna say this, on behalf of whoever hurt you, on behalf of our father, I am sorry. But we are created for relationship and you are created to bind those wounds and give them to the Lord. Father, may we rule well because we are created in your image. Father, may we relate well to others because we're created in your image. And may we enjoy sonship. Lastly, I wanna share this with you though about image. We are created in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26. Before, Genesis 3. So does everyone agree Genesis 1 comes before Genesis 3? Next week, we're going to look in Genesis 3 that we have the catastrophic, catastrophic fall of sin in the world. And because of one sin, man's eternally kicked out of the presence of God. You know what that sin was? Some man, some woman ate some fruit, gave it to a man. And because of that sin, because of that one disobedience forever, the relationship with the Most High God has changed. You and I are created in the image of God, but that does not mean you enjoy the relationship with God. And that is where sin comes in because when we sin, one sin breaks eternally the relationship you were created for. One sin. So whatever sin that you might think in your mind right now, just pick one. You don't need the list. Just pick one because one sin is what caused all of humanity to be kicked out of the presence of God because he is eternally holy. He is eternal in his nature. So one sin is an eternal sin against God. 
And yet, while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That if we believe in him, that if we confess our sins, if we seek the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. So if you're here today and you are, you are longing for that relationship with God that you were created for, won't you recognize your sin and turn to the only one that can fix that and it's Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to take away the wrath that was intended for me. He died on the cross to, to make you right before God. There's nothing you can do. There's no tithe, there's no offering. You can't help a little old lady across the street a million times. There's no good deed you can do to make yourself right before God. It's too late. But thank God he sent his son to make us right before God if we believe. That if I put my trust in Jesus, he doesn't look at Josh. He looks at his son and says he paid the penalty. And now Josh is right before me because my son died for him. He offers us forgiveness. He reconciles us. The forgiveness that we do not deserve, that's called mercy. He adopts us into a family. And as 1 Corinthians says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. And I thank God that through his son, Jesus Christ, God looked at this old sinner and said, Josh, I'm not gonna make you better. I'm gonna make you new. That every relationship that I have that had been destroyed by sin, everything that in my life where I was ruling horribly because of my sin, God said, I will make it new because of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and have never put your trust in Christ, do not leave these doors headed to a place for an eternity without the Savior when he freely offers you that relationship in Jesus Christ. Won't you believe? Won't you trust? You can make that decision right where you sit. If you need to deal with the Lord and say, Lord, I've sinned, I need you. You died for me. I need that relationship back. Won't you do that where you sit this morning? Let's pray together. Father, Father,